welcome to another JGT Zoomcast. Just coming towards the um, the beginnings of the ease of lockdown. We're at the end of May, and Sam and I today we pay a, a virtual visit over to Southern Ireland to Wicklow to have a chat with Darren Scott. Sam and Darren have been friends for some time through their connection with music, but I know Darren because we supported him during cancer treatment um, some years ago now uh, through the JGT. When you first meet Darren, you could be forgiven for thinking, well, he's a really optimistic guy, first person to the dance floor, um, very optimistic, very welcoming. But underneath that, it's been a tough journey for Darren. And I think one of the main things that comes over for me in this interview is that the journey doesn't end when the treatment is over. It becomes something that you have to deal with and face every day. Um, it's important to talk, it's important to accept the bad days and there is some golden nuggets of advice and tips and direction and signposts to follow in this interview, particularly if you happen to be in treatment at yourself at the moment. I'm Irish, I'm in Ireland as we speak and shockingly we have sun, uh, which, is, which is amazing. I've got this beautiful scenery uh, right outside my window. I'm sitting in my, uh, my, my studio at the moment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I've just got this beautiful view of the sea, so very, very sort of privileged. Uh, so are you in Northern Ireland or, or mid or south? Yeah, I'm, I'm south, um, yeah, Southern Ireland and uh, a place called Wicklow, which is kind of known as the Garden of Ireland, um, just for all of its greenery and just, we've, we've got it all here, forests and the sea and Amazing. Well, most most of the um, the sort of research I've been able to do on you, Darren, and, and you know, conversations I've had with Sam, mo- most of what you do seems to be centered in the creative arts, you know, the performing arts. Has that always been the main thing for you, or have you had any other career desires or any other jobs you've done, or has it always been the arts? I've always had this draw i've always been drawn in by anything creative anything creative i've never been one who i could never you know i i've always just any anything that i i I use this an awful lot my head my mind my imagination is something that's very um it's always going and it's always been music has been my absolute main thing um my first instrument, I suppose, is guitar, but uh, I, I'm, I kind of got into electronic music in a massive way, and, and then I got into production and, and, and sort of put, it, put together kind of a home studio, and over the years became self-taught um, on how to be a producer, do mastering or mixing or anything like that, you know, and, um, but I've, I've, that's my first love, 100%, but I've, so it was always going to be the arts then. It was always the arts. It was never going to be anything else like science or engineering or anything like that. No, I, I've never, I've never been drawn to that really. You know, I suppose um, it's, it's been in a creative environment, even with what I do, um, uh, with, with what I do with being on the road and stuff like that. Um, it's just been in a creative environment with, 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 
you know, uh, it's where I really benefit. I yeah. just love being in that environment. It's a great energy, you know. It's Absolutely. really good to be part of that energy, you know. So what, did you do any formal training or are you self-taught in, in these areas? With, well, with, with act, acting that formal training, but with music, um, really the only formal training I've had is vocal, vocal training, which I've, I've been doing classical uh, training, vocal training over the past sort of two years, I'd say. Yeah. Um, that was the last kind of thing to conquer in terms of my, my fear of performance. I had no anxiety with fear of performance, but with vocal, out front vocally stuff. I admire anyone who can get up there and just, just belt it out, you know, because it's, it takes, uh, for me, it's um, a huge fear, a massive fear, actually. And um, yeah, so I, I, I wanted to face that head on, you know, so I thought, well, classical, um, I have a, you know, I have a sort of, there's a, a few artists who I kind of admire, I do who kind of dabbled in that. And um, yeah, so that's the only kind of formal training I've had in terms of music, uh, a little bit of piano, a little bit of music theory, um, which I'm kind of working on constantly. But other than that, no, everything is self-taught. Amazing. Guitar, piano, and of course, that's how you met Sam, isn't it? Through, through music and through, was it, were you, were you playing for Scott then, Sam, or how, how did that happen? How did you two meet? We, um, I, was, uh, I was doing a gig with, with Scott Matthews um, and we came over to Ireland, didn't we? We played uh, the Sugar Club, I think. Was it the Sugar Club? In yes, Dublin? it was the Sugar Club, yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah, back in 2011, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, you were there with, with Jamie. Well, you knew Jamie, didn't you, before? Um, Jamie Davey, who's Scott's guitar tech. Um, and obviously he was there at the time and he invited you and Elaine to the gig. Yeah, and, um, that's right. Yeah. I kind of noticed that at that point. Yeah, yeah. We'd only had like a brief chat after the gig though, didn't we? We didn't kind of like make friends or anything then, you know. It was, uh, it, it was like kind of over a, a long period of time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was kind of, yeah, it was one of those. It just built up over time and, and it's funny, I, 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 you know, again, at... at, at um, I felt like a couple of years ago, we really kind of connected. It's funny how kind of time works like that, how you yeah. might know something for X amount of time, but something might just trigger at a, at a particular time and you just, yeah, yeah. from that moment, our eyes locked. We <laughs> running together, you know. <laughs> yeah. it was, it's great there, man. It's been really good because obviously over like the past however many years now, we've, we've known each other, it's kind of, you know, we've we've become closer as, as mates, and you know, obviously, our respective partners are you know are quite close, and you know, we chat quite a lot, and you know, you just find out more about each other all the time, and notice how much more you've got in common. You know, it's it's brilliant. That's that's how it works. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a real likewise. privilege. It's a real privilege. <laughs> I know you've got to say that now that I'm on here. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been a great you know it's been a great friendship because of um, because of a. There are so many aspects to it, but I find there's a couple of unique ones in, this, in the fact that we've we have a, a shared uh, experience in in a sense that we can connect on something, you know, um, which is which is which is which is nice. If you get me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know what I mean. It's it's nice to be able to communicate it 
have that dialogue where we can both talk about something, you know, yeah, like cancer. Yeah. cancer. I guess that would that would lead us nicely into into this next part of the conversation, Darren, which which is if you could if you could cast your mind back to what life was like for you before you were diagnosed, before you felt the need to go and see the GP, how was what, what was life like before the cancer diagnosis? Life was. <laughs> to that point, um, it, uh, life was kind of trying to settle itself from a from a pretty a pretty turbulent life, really. Uh, you know, from from pretty from a very young age. Um, it, it was a it's very turbulent, a lot of trauma, a lot of different things, you know. Uh, it wasn't a particularly enjoyable life, but but there was always that thing where I felt I, I was somehow learning something. It wasn't just life was awful, and I didn't, I didn't really wallow in that as such. I just it was difficult. It was painful. It was a lot of a lot of suffering, but I always felt that there was something from there was something more to it than that. It, that, that that you know it, that I was I was learning. I, I was getting a lot of life lessons, you know, in a, in a very tough way. But then you then you found yourself having to go to the GP, didn't you? And 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 what was that? Was that because you you know, discovered lumps? I yeah well it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a yeah there was a a a a, a, a lump a little lump um, and it, it's a crazy one because I wasn't in that never in that mindset of male health it wasn't something I ever thought about because uh, at that point as I said we'd moved just moved over to the UK we we from from Ireland uh, to pursue our uh, myself my my now wife Elaine uh, a career in music we were getting. A lot of work in London, and it, it things were getting bigger and bigger in a small way uh, for us. So, hence to move to the UK, and we were there two months. And I used to said I wasn't the kind of guy who ever kind of thought about male health because I was always a fairly healthy guy. I pretty much, I've done martial arts most of my life and ate pretty well, pretty healthy, re- re- relatively, you know, and. You didn't smoke, really didn't drink at all, and doesn't run in my family, and all these things. So it wasn't it wasn't in my consciousness, consciousness, whatever. Uh, it wasn't in there, and I came home one day, decided to have a bath. Uh, Elaine, kind of sitting on the kind of the edge of the bath, talking about the day's news, you know, um, and I was in the bath and sort of you know, right up to my neck and sweating and loving every minute of it and something went through my head oh i'll do that thing that guys are kind of told to do i'll check myself that was it and i was checking checking my testicles and and it's just just feeling around just literally like uh you just kind of feel around like that a lot of guys ask me this and it's just it's just literally just gently just kind of feeling around you know and um oh what the hell is that and all the while, Elaine was just chatting about her day, and I, I, I didn't react, but inside I reacted. And I, it felt like 
I tell people this, it's, it's essentially, for me, it was the size of a garden pea. I was like a hard nodule, a hard garden pea. And that's, and I just kept on feeling and feeling and feeling it. And like, is that a lump? Is that a lump? Is that just a, oh, what is it? You know, all these questions. And then the first thing came to my mind was, it's a cyst, it's gotta be, you know. And uh, I told Elaine a couple of hours later, it took me that length of time. And um, I didn't want to go to the doctor. Now, not because of the, I'm very comfortable going to the doctor, I always have been, uh, but for some reason, this, I didn't want to do it, I think. I, maybe I was afraid of, I might have to go through something and I just moved to the UK and it's the last thing I needed, kind of thing, you know? Um, so anyway, uh, made an appointment, went to see the doctor, uh, GP. Uh, she checked it out and it was in a peculiar place. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was in a kind of a peculiar place that I thought it might have been a cyst. And they, they just sent me, she, she sent me off to get it just, just to be doubly sure. I don't think it is, but just to be doubly sure, let's just get you sent off and we'll get it checked. So that's kind of where it was at. It wasn't, I think, they, you know, they think, it's a, they think it might be a cyst. And, uh, I went to a, a specialist and uh, he was of the same opinion, but let's just check it out anyway. And, um, and then, the, yeah, and it was, it, was, it was a waiting game, let me tell you. Um, it was torture, waiting to find out. You entered the cancer bubble then, once you got the diagnosis, and that that brings an immediate lack of control, Darren, doesn't it? You immediately are no longer in, you know, control of things. And how did you, you know, react to that? Because that that stress and pressure can bring out the best and the worst in people. Were you quite zen about it, or did it hit you like a steam train? Do you know what the best way to describe it to you? I was. It was a funny time and it was a bank holiday and they said they would get in touch with me and, and get me to come in. I actually found out by ringing, um, which is quite unusual. So I found out at a home, which a lot of people seem to like, really, what's over the phone? And I, I, I thought, what a better, what better place, you know, than in my own home in the comfort of my own home where my wife sit beside me and I can go off and do whatever. So I sat on the stairs expecting to hear it was a cyst and, and uh, I, I got, they, they told me. And all I can say is it's kind of like, you hear all of this jargon, all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden you hear, uh, it, it's, it's we, we believe to be cancer. And we're gonna have to, as soon as you hear those words from me, it was like a visual kind of a, it just goes from talking to the, I'm just mumbling. I can't hear a thing. I don't know. They could have said anything else to me, but as soon as we, we, we believe you've got cancer. And the second, everything from then on in, I, I didn't really hear anything. Um, all, all that went through my head was, okay, we have to deal with this. This is here, this is in me, and I have to deal with it. It needs to be, it needs to be remedied. And uh, what do I need to do now? What next? And uh, that's all that was going through my head. You know, with Joe, you know, people, it was, it was terrible think, thinking about it because they, they avoided the word cancer. They didn't use the word cancer. 
we were told all sorts of things, you know, malignancy and lesion and all these different things. And as a parent, you don't really know what the hell. And, and, and it was only, we were sent to the cancer center in Birmingham. And it was only when we saw the word cancer on the door as we actually walked in, it was, it was bad. So I think in some ways, you know, bad news is best, you know, delivered quickly. And I think, you know, it was good that you were at home. I think that was a good thing. That's, that's tough. That's tough because you, 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 you get told so much jargon and you have no idea what the hell any of it means. And my Elaine, essentially, she fell, fell to pieces, but she, she just cried her eyes out because she could see by me that that's what, uh, what I was on the phone. She could see by me. And uh, actually, I just nodded like that. And she just went into the other room and um, just sobbing, sobbing uncontrollably. But I, I, I felt numb. I felt nothing. I felt nothing. But I think you're spot on, uh, Craig. I think uh, the, the directness was what I needed to hear. Um, I, could, I think... I think I became somewhat practical maybe to save myself a little bit to, as a self-preservation possibly to get out of my emotions which is into my head, you know, as a, as a, as a protection. But that's, a, that's one that needs to be very carefully balanced because you can go there all the time and never, and then deny yourself, deny yourself like, connecting with your emotions because this bloody, sucks there is nothing good about this and it's horrendous um and to suppress that all down and press it all down and just be all head about it um which i, I had i had a lot of experience with that over my journey and sometimes it's self-preservation but sometimes i was denying what i really felt you know and that's it's not really good because it comes out in other nasty ways were you, were you able to see the signs of when you were going to have a bad day did you actually wake up and think it's going to be a bad one today or was a certain feeling you felt? Or? Well, I feel, you see, in some respects, I feel it was this kind of running line of saying it would just be worse or not so worse. You know, um, it, it, it kind of felt like that. It didn't feel like a good day or a bad day. It just kind of was linear in a sense, but it would dip off to a, to a, 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 a low, so low, it was just, it felt like torture. There was no respite. Um, but, but in a sense, I feel that I, I was, I won't say lucky, but I, I was, a lot of people who've got the told they have cancer, they have to live with that for a long, long time with the cancer inside their bodies. I had five days with cancer in my in my body, with the knowledge of it in my body. I said that the, 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 uh, that's that's not true at all. Sorry, I, I it was two weeks. So it was from the point of being with that specialist to the point that um, and, and being being uh, being started being told that I'd had cancer to the point that it was taken out. Um, that was two weeks. It was a very short period of time, a, a lifetime in some senses, because it's the slowest two weeks you'll ever have. But, but compared to others who really are tortured with it for months on end, 
you know, so it was, um, the, the suffering came after, the suffering came with the operation and, and the, the, the chemotherapy and, and, and everything. That's where the real suffering was. The surgery was followed by chemo then, was it? Yes, yes, straight after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did you how did you find that your friends reacted to this this news and i mean how, you know, how did you tell sam for example did you were you on a gig or were you, or did you just i mean people react differently don't they? they do they do they do and you've got to be mindful of that um, and i was kind of mindful of that um I found myself a lot of this journey worrying about more worrying about other people in a sense, because I was in it. So I, I was surviving, but in a sense I was worrying about what other people, how other people would deal with it, you know? Um, Cause it's a, geez, I mean, it's such a big thing to hear, you know, your mate has cancer. Darren has cancer. What? It just doesn't add up. But um, it's an adult for anyone. It really doesn't. And, and, and for anyone to be on the receiving end of that kind of information. And I was aware of that. And uh, Elaine actually took the reins on this one. And maybe looking back, I'd probably do it differently now. And in fact, I, I probably would. But we did a private setting on Facebook for only people we knew. Because um, we were over in the UK at the time, we knew no, we knew no, nobody except for Jamie and Elaine, and um, and obviously I knew Scott. I knew but, but Jamie and Elaine were, 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 you know, really are, you know, we, we knew them extremely well, very close with them, and uh, so we put it up on Facebook. Essentially, Elaine put it up on Facebook, and and it, uh, how did people react? Um, Nine times out of ten, it was what you would expect. It was, you know, pe people are trying their best to say the right thing, mm. you know, and and, and and that's 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 a very difficult one. Yeah, and I, I found over time that could be a bit of a difficult one because I, a lot of it is sympathy, and I understand that that's people they're, not, they're trying to figure out the right thing to say, and oh, you know. Sometimes people say the worst thing, and oh, well, it could be worse. Mm. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'd love to know how. Yeah, I mean, I could be, you know, I don't know. But anything, a lot, a lot of it could be worse. We had this neighbor who came around and went, oh, well, every, every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> Right. Oh my God! What is the deal? It's a bit tricky to know what 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 this one is, you know. So, how did you find out, Sam? Was it was it from that Facebook group? No, it wasn't. I think it was. I think it was through Jamie. Um, I, I can't quite remember, to be honest, Darren. I'm sorry. That, I, I think that. I think that would be right, actually. Um, I think. It, I think it was because that's when. I, I think I spoke to you uh, uh, about. Um, you know what we do with the trust and you know how we could maybe help you in some way you know I remember and remember that know. phone call i remember that yeah very well uh, it was just it was it was like an automatic right okay we can actually maybe help help out a little bit with something you know we could do something here you know do some good with the with the trust you know it's quite quite early days as well really yeah. for us i think um yeah i think yeah i think i think it was through jamie 
Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't through Facebook. So I don't think we were, um, we were friends on Facebook then, or maybe we were, I can't, I can't, I can't quite remember. I wasn't doing much on Facebook in those days, really. So how, how, how come you chose Facebook to do that? Was it because there was more people that you knew in one place or yeah? It was, it was a self-preservation again, uh, on Elaine's part, because if you have to make that call yeah, totally. 30 times, yeah. Or forty times to you know. I mean, it's just impossible. You can't do mm. it, you know. And with with the with the absolute, our absolute closest, um, our uh, you know family and and absolute immediate friends, um, you know who you know that that's kind of what we you know we made the phone call to them. Um, mm. That was painful. That was painful. I was really painful doing that. And again, I was more concerned about them hearing of my mom, my dad, you know, my, you know, and, and my few really super close friends and uh, that I'd known for forever, you know. And it was not nice mm. that phone call. It is the absolute last thing you expect, don't you? There's something about being, being when, when you're younger, you're just bulletproof and, you know, diagnosis. Like, oh, yeah. It's just, and, um, but I think you're a naturally optimistic person, Darren, but I think it's important for, for one of the things you've said for people listening is that it's, it's okay to have those down days and not, not to keep it all in the head and all up there. Essential. Yeah. Because it is tough, you know, as you say. This, this is it. I, I do hear that a, a huge amount in my life and, and I wasn't really aware that I was an optimistic person until the time you sort of hear about it more and more. There's a double. There's a double side. There's two sides to that. Um, yes, I've always been. This is part of my nature. I've always the glass is always half full. It's always half full. Whatever it is, and, and uh, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and go yay, yay life. You know, it's it, it. But I would would years ago have been the kind of person who would be smiling, but inside suffering. Um, and I would have had maybe a lot of a lot of confidence, but, but self esteem it was just at a, it was just as low as you like, largely to do with my childhood and, and teenage years and, and that. So I would cover it up with big confidence. And now, to to a degree, that's part of my personality. I have I've always had that personality. That's my truth. But I nowadays through mindfulness, through mindfulness meditation and and, and various things. Um, I've learned, you know, and even with the cancer, I smiled my way for other people through the cancer. Oh, it's, it's grand, you know, and I can't wait to see what I learned from this. And I was saying things like that really for the benefit of others, really, to try and help inspire them. But the problem was, is I was doing myself a gigantic injustice by ignoring how I really felt because it is horrendous. There's, it was the war, it was just torture that's all it was just torture and i denied myself the, the tears or you know the anger or the, the the process you know and the most important thing if i could say anything to anyone and uh, you know for lads particularly because of the this toxic masculinity that that exists in the world and real men don't cry and all that crap um I, I think the most important thing to remember is is that it's it's 
it's it's so important that you 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 honor the truth inside you because if you've if you've got cancer you're coming through cancer you're going through chemo um it's not about there is a certain amount of it that it, you know requires real strength real come on you know what can beat this and and just really pushing through and giving it everything you have but there's an other version of that strength and that's crying that's anger that's healthy anger um, you know frustration fear terrifying fear but i believe there's a certain strength in honoring those knowing that oh, i've got to feel this i've got to feel this and then i'll feel it and then i'll come out and then i'll i'll go back to my other strength or whatever it is you know what i mean yeah i think i think i think dishonoring that truth within yourself is doing a bigger injustice you know and i think we need to we need to feel those feelings it it, it makes it's, it's honoring your truth and that's the biggest thing i've learned out of this whole journey yeah. honoring was was there a particular memorable piece of advice or a light bulb moment or a golden piece of advice that, that you were given that we could share with anyone listening who is it, it either pre-treatment or currently in treatment or post-treatment was there any any one golden nugget or a series? I think you probably just covered it in your last comment, really. But yeah, I I think for for me, no, but that's a, it's a that's a great question because it, it is kind of I did I did you know I, I got a I got a lot of little nuggets, um, you know f- from. Funny enough, one of one of the simplest things we were talking about, uh, you know, the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. Empathy is useful. Sympathy really isn't. Sympathy is it's, it doesn't really go anywhere. But empathy is like this sucks, and I'm really sorry you're going through that. Get here, here's a hug. That's that's or you know what i mean that yeah, that that for me great. could do more for, for that could do more for me than somebody say oh it could be worse and oh you know you could have no legs and no arms and you know all these things you hear all these things sympathy is an empty vessel isn't it there you said it better you, you said it better than me it's an empty vessel it's hollow but the the, it's, the one bit of of uh, one kind of real real nuggets is is that i found is um one one thing i really found because i i i I would always look into the future and worry maybe i'd be a worrier and think about tomorrow and if if for instance i'm i'm in chemo this is day I would be day day four of, of a permanent being on a permanent cycle. Uh, often the case was the day following that I would get even worse again, and I would be worrying more about that. And and what I would what I would have what I would say to people, and this is so cliche, and it really is, and it's one of the hardest things for me to do is staying right in that moment, and and all you can do is work on what is there right now. You can't work on 10 minutes away. Just just take on right now, because that's all you have is right now. You don't have later or yesterday. You have 
right now. We have no control over anything beyond that. We have right now, and that's all we can do anything about. And we may completely screw it up. And if we screw it up, we'll try again in a minute or 10 minutes or an hour or two hours. You know, it's just trying to stay in what is right now. But then sometimes, if that's too painful, escapism, you know, is, 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 a, great, is a great one. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, I, I did a lot of escapism through my journey because I knew that that's what I needed. And so I was, I was doing it from a place of awareness, you know, that I know I need to escape. So allowing yourself that as well. The balance. Balance is, is key for me. What would be the main thing you'd use to escape? Would it be like music or anything else that you, you're into? For me, you know, it's getting passionate about these things. I get really excited about these things. But, but the one thing you're asking me about, Sam, is it, at the time, Ziki, it's music. Um, mm. Listening, uh, watching a lot of kind of status quo documents documentaries and he's like no quo fan and that's where born um from from watching quo uh i was four years of age and it started then but um but what what i found was just i watched documentaries of status quo incessantly because they seem to be they seem to be an escape for me there's they're like they're like this drug kind of for me and i know other fans Mates of mine, Jamie being one of them, it's, it kind of it just takes you somewhere. I don't know why, particularly Quo. I guess everybody has their band, but for me, they just—they're like it's like giving me a warm hug and like, come on, let's take you away from this, mm. you know. And in, in, but what makes Quo's music memorable to you? What what do you think does that oh, for man. you? I think they were there for me when nobody else was, right. or. That's not true. I mean, you know, uh, I think they were there for me when, yeah, I suppose they were. It, it said, I mean, I've had my mom and, I, you know, and I had my dad as well, but I, I, I you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have had many friends really growing up. And, and, uh, Just outside of your family circle, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I really wouldn't. And, and you know, it's, it's quite sad now to think of it. But, yeah, Quo were that kind of um, a companion in, in a sense. But it wasn't that. There was a musical thing. It's just, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I don't, I, I've never been able to describe this. It, well, it, it, was, it was a coping strategy for you during treatment, allowing yourself to be, you know, creative, focused your mind, didn't it? And, you know, a lot, and, and I think anyone listening to this, if, if, you know, creativity, if music or drama is your thing, or if it's sport, maybe if you, you know, if that's your thing. And there's a young man who we're supporting at the moment who's, uh, he's got osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer. And he wants, he wanted, he wants to be a rugby referee. That's where he wants to go. Um, and watching sport and reading about sport and listening to sport focuses, focuses his mind. But, you know, it's, I think it's crucial what you said earlier about the present moment, because the, you know, the present moment is all, all, all we've got, really. You know, the past doesn't exist and the future doesn't exist, really. You know, all we have is now, which, which I think is, have you got that mainly from mindfulness meditation? Because that, that's the, the kind of the core of that, isn't it? That centering yourself and, that, and you know, focusing on the breath and that, that moment that you're in is... Um... 
do you use Headspace or, or Calm or a particular app that you could recommend for that? Or? I I use a, I use a guy. Um, actually, my my wife uses Insight Timer. Pardon me, um, but for me, it doesn't work because there's a certain goal orientation, um, which I'm I being the kind of person I am. If I don't meet that goal, I'll beat myself up. And then that'll only bring me back down again. So I, I, I'm more into setting intentions for myself. Intentions work better because if I don't achieve or if I don't get to that intention, that's okay. I'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. But if I set a goal for myself and achieve that goal, I just feel I failed. And then yeah. there's a vicious circle. So it's, it's but for, for, for some people, for some people, it's a real motivation. It's a real help, you know. Uh, for my wife, she uses Inside Time, and she swears by it. She absolutely loves it. Um, uh, but for me, I have these guided meditations on my phone mm. by a guy called Michael Klaxon. Cla- uh, Cla- no, Klaxon, Cla- I think his name is. Yeah. Um, uh, he has a he has a book called Mindfulness in Eight Weeks. And what I found really helpful is, is, is like, I could read this book and put it down and come back to it. It was so straightforward, so normal. It wasn't all high up here. You didn't have to have any kind of degree to read it. It's very simplistic and very easy to follow. And it, that comes with uh, a link. Um, you can just download them. Um, I don't know if you can, uh, maybe if I can give you a, a, a proper name and on the link i'll send it to you after this maybe you can put it on the yeah because they're just free they're free, free downloads they're free free downloads and um i found them really really good because they you know um they're just very easy there's a three minute breathing space mm-hmm. you know or or just right up to 45 minutes you know there's all sorts of different things and they're just great to get you to stop you don't have to it's it's very simplistic. It's very easy to follow and very soothing, and um, I find it a real a real help to just you know one one which I found very helpful was was sitting with the uncomfortable. How to sit with the uncomfortable? How to sit with the difficult? And I know for for you know a lot of listeners out there, they'll connect with sitting with the difficult is bloody difficult, and you want to escape from that. But what yeah. this teaches you is is a way to be okay no i'm not happy no i'm in pain no i'm suffering and it's awful but how can i be okay with that how i'm being okay with that can just instead of it being like that real tense it can just ease it a little bit and that's that's what i found you know um it's quite helpful just to uh, learn that you know you can still have strength in allowing or in, in being okay with with how you you know suffering that you're going through at that specific moment is mindfulness a daily activity for you do you try and build it into your routines it's it's in my it's just in my it's in everything i do mm. now <laughs> i can go from one end of the day to the ne- you know to, to the next without engaging in it but just you know i it, and it's it's not beating myself up for that. Well, then I'll try again tomorrow. I'll try tomorrow. I'll try. And so it's, it's in brushing your teeth, just being present. I'm not trying to get to a higher plane with brushing my teeth. I'm just being there. 
<laughs> you know. It's a wonderful tip to, you know, allow yourself to maybe solve the problem you know, another time. It doesn't have to be now, does it? That's, that's one of the things about these people who, I know you've got one of these fit, uh, Fitbit things, Sam. <laughs> but you know, mm. if you don't do the ten thousand steps a day, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's you're, okay. You're I've only done seven thousand or whatever. But oh, how dare you! <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. ourselves up so much in life and we have another 10 or 15 or 100 people waiting in line to do the same thing because they've had some awful experiences in their lives and they want to take it out on you you know and uh, it doesn't make make them bad people but some people you know do things that are just really unhelpful to you And and i find if you're adding to that by beating yourself up you know, it's, 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 it's trying to find a way to get through life as easy as possible without, without um, being disconnected, without being, uh, without running away, without, without, you know, not running away from what really needs to be dealt with, um, you know, and, and because I think ultimately that's the bigger punishment is, 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 is living with something. And you know, and I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. And again, getting back to the, back to the cancer, it was that denying myself all the what I'd what I'd gone through um, at the time after the surgery, uh, which was massive massive amounts of recovery needing from that. Uh, it took it took ages to get through that, and then the chemo. But I. I I denied myself going through it, and to a degree, maybe I needed that. But I know, I know, I know, I I could have done with connecting because it just came later, and then I had to deal with what happened later on. You know. Did you have any setbacks in your treatment? Did you have any? Did you become you know neutropenic or have any side effects from the chemo? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> do we have another forty-five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, it's quite simply, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's simply put, um, I mean, septicemia was, was an issue, um, which, uh, which it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, um, oh my God, talk about, that was scary, um, but, um, uh, but mainly what I found was, was just constant torture. I had, uh, three rounds of BEP, um, uh, which is a particular type of chemotherapy. And it's, it was very aggressive. You know, they, 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 their, their attitude was, look, you're young, you're healthy, so we're going to blast the hell out of you. Um, so I, I would have four, uh, four days, a cycle of four days continuously, and then um, I'd have like a week off, and then I'd go back in for a shot of chemo and then uh, i'd come back in a week later uh, it would it would go on like that um and 
over the space of actually three months or something like that. And then we were ropey, which is a side effect. Um, um, or maybe it's just my age. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, side effects, I, look, I, I pretty much had every side effect that was going and, and even some they'd never experienced before. And this seemed to be something within my journey that came up quite a lot, uh, that the kind of cancer I had, you know, there was three different strands of cancer in the one tumor. Um, I, I had that and then I had, uh, you know, with the chemotherapy, I had, I had all these strange symptoms. I have up to this day. I've got these kind of. Um, you can't really see them here, but these. Um, don't know if you can see. It looks kind of looks like fake tan. Kind of looks like I'm wearing fake tan. Um, that was just kind of from scratching at the time. I I scratched my skin and it's it stayed there permanently. So it got all these marks and areas that your skin becomes quite thin. Um, they weren't aware of that. They'd never experienced that before. Um, you, of course, you scratch yourself, your skin goes red, but it just never recovered. Um, did, you, did you find anything that what, what, what yeah, relieved those symptoms? Did you find anything? I mean, Joe used to get a lot of ulcers in his mouth, so would eat ice, ice creams to, to cool his mouth because yeah. chemo can burn you, can't yeah. it? Oh man, mouth ulcers, bleeding, bleeding gums, a swollen tongue, blisters all over my tongue, all over my mouth and my lips, and my eyes were raw. Uh, you know, the the nausea was, was violent nausea. It's violent nausea. I have a high tolerance. This is the one thing. So if I can offer up any advice, I have a, I have a high tolerance for a lot of these kinds of things, um, for pain or, or any general kind of suffering. And I found that this was pushing me way beyond that, which, which is what scared me. Because I thought, well, I have a high tolerance. And if I'm pushed way beyond that, I've nowhere to go from then. So I, I got into a lot of fear. But what I've learned since about that is, is that um, you, think, you think you can't, I'm still here. Uh, and I thought my pain threshold was very high, but I had nowhere else to go beyond that. And clearly I did. We are capable of so much more than we think we are. And because of what you hear or what people say to you around you, you somehow think you cannot go beyond that. You absolutely can. And it's about getting, getting everything you can to, to help you escape or to, to meditation, ice cream for, for mouth ulcers. I, I used this mouthwash, uh, mouthwash, a medicated mouthwash, which had a numbing agent in it. And, and of course, I can't remember what it is now, but there are a lot of them. Oral that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Or morph. Yeah, that's the one. And uh, I mean, it, it took the edge off. Um, and with with nausea, um, it was a lot of drinking water and, and hot water bottles. Um, kind of simple stuff. I'm li listening to what my listening, like literally listening to myself. Yeah. What is my body telling me? You know, what do, what do I want? Do I want jelly? Or, Maybe it's it's real comforting stuff, you know. Um, I found there were certain things, you know. I I had no appetite really from from beginning to end. I had no desire for any any food, and I had a lot of issues with my esophagus. Yeah. My digestive system essentially shut down right. for about three weeks or about two weeks, which was um, which was very scary. But I found that uh, what got me out of that was breathing. 
was actually breathing and and relaxing myself and doing a little bit of meditation and and um, at the time that that really did help you know just to relax my digestive system essentially you know um, so so from diagnosis so, so little things like that it's yeah I was, I was going to say from from diagnosis to that last round of chemo darren what how, how, how many months was that from diagnosis so i finished chemo on the 12th of july that's my or the 5th of july so that's i always say that as my or no that was the day 5th of july is when i found out i you know i'm i'm, I'm clear as I use that as my day of remission. Um, so it was three months of chemo and prior to that it was I think all in all it was a journey of maybe about four months or four yeah I think about four well, over four months I think I no, I've not actually looked at that. I, I must look at that. I always focus on the day of remission. Mm. Um, but I think it's somewhere in and around there. So relatively short for what some people go through. Well, it was 18 um, months for Joe. He was 18 months in treatment. Um, and he would have to stay in hospital for, for a week for his chemo. I don't, I don't know if that if you're able to come home after your treatment, Darren, or if you stayed in hospital. Yeah, they, yeah they, 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 I mean, I wasn't... I had no immune system at that point, and certainly around two, I had no immune system at all. Um, maybe that's where the whole septicemia thing came into play because I, 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 underst I understood it that I wasn't going home, but um, as they told me at the time, but then it changed, and then I would go in for four days and just go home, and just, you know, you know that you know that's t that's tough. Eighteen months is tough, and then to be staying. And were you yeah, based the in the UK time. then? Or were you, were you back yes. in Ireland? Yeah, you basically, yeah. So were you able to see your friends? Yeah. Sam, did you see Darren during that time? Or, or? No, no. no. Like I say, around, around about that time, we weren't actually like, as close as we are now, we wouldn't kind of go and see each other. But we wouldn't really talk as often. Um, yeah, it was more kind of, that was, yeah, it was more like early, early days, really. It was the early days, yeah. Yeah, I was still trying to suss out whether I liked them or not. <laughs> 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 no, not, not at all. I think what happened was we just moved to the UK. We were only there. Yeah. Two. We you were weren't there. You weren't here that long, were you? Before? No, we, we were only here. To, only literally two months, if even that. Mm. And I found I found a lump, and and two years in in in, um, in the UK was exclusively dealing with with my cancer and 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 the after effects of it, with, with which I have testosterone deficiency as a result of having a testicle removed. So I don't produce testosterone, which in itself is a world of of problems. Um, right. But I, I'm, I, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's been very serious and very very painful journey um, because I have no te I have no testosterone and I I I take this stuff which really helps, but it's taken seven years to get the balance. Right. seven years and, and seven years of struggling mm. you know real struggling and fighting with doctors and trying to get them to listen to me and listen to my symptoms and, you know so it's it's you know without testosterone you you don't have it's essentially 
you know, they kind of they kind of dub it the, the, the male hormone, and you, 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 or the or the feel good hormones. So you lose your ability to feel good, to feel, you know, to function as as a man would function, to have strength to get up out of the chair, to lift something, to feel uh, uh, get up and go. To you know, I lost my spark essentially without it. Uh, and without a good balance, so my hormones were like that. I was all over the place. Um, but we finally got a, a control on that. But um, sorry, I, I'm, I'm going way off now. But uh, yeah, at the time, at the time, uh, I had my friends Jamie and Elaine, and that was pretty much it. Really, I mean, you know, as I said, Sam, we weren't as we weren't as close then, and we were just getting to kind of know each other, and, and you know, and um, you know, I, of course, I was, you know, mates with Scott, and again, something, uh, Scott Matthews, uh, uh, is a very dear friend of mine now, but at the time, we just moved over there, we didn't know anybody except for, so, it was, that was tough. It must have been, yeah, tough. absolutely. Yeah, that was very tough, a loneliness, and Elaine had to deal with everything, essentially, with no help from Mm, uh, really ex except, yeah, except for Jamie and Elaine, I, without Jamie and Elaine, I, I really don't know where to be, really. I actually, I, I dread to think it was, it was very tough, very tough. So just so, just so people know. Sorry? So I was going to say, just so people know, Jamie, Jamie Davey is Scott Matthews' guitar tech. That's right. And Elaine, yeah. and Elaine is his wife, and you've also got a wife called Elaine. Just to yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 confusion. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but that's, yeah, that's how we met through, through Jamie. So Jamie Davey yeah. is, uh, yeah. Some really solid advice for people here and um you know i think you have to embrace the down days um Must. I, so, I mean it was interesting when when in joe's in treatment it was the very start of social media sound wasn't it had myspace started then and yeah myspace was kind of on on the way out um and facebook was was coming in i wonder if social uh, media is a help a help or a hindrance these days too for people i yeah. found i found a group called check and lads yeah yeah without them and they are a social media group essentially um facebook and, and, and twitter although they're everywhere now they're, they're a support group um essentially I, I i they guided me through this whole journey um and they're they're, they're run by survivors people who've been through this you know people who know exactly what they're talking about and, and they were actually the ones to kind of point out man you you might have testosterone deficiency you need to get yourself checked mm. and uh, here's how to go by it and uh, uh, uh but what it's through through that support and what you guys did uh for me i'll, I'll really never f forget that moment and as i said sam i um yeah, I'll never forget that moment. It's always stayed with me, and that's uh, it spoke volumes of of yourself and and, and, and Craig, and it just spoke volumes of, of of all you guys and exactly where you're coming from. And it it's it's a real place of of heart, you know. And we were in, I think, some horrible shopping centre, <laughs> trying our best to have a day, a nice day, but not really feeling it at all i was pretty down on myself i wasn't doing so good and elaine was not doing so good and we we're trying to hold each other up a little bit and 
I get this call out of the blue uh, from Sam. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Uh, <laughs> no, I got this call and I was like, it immediately perked me up because um, it was out of the blue. And, uh, and, and, and um, I went into the side away from people and that. And, and you just you told me all about what, what, what um, you know, about the trouble. I'd, I'd known a bit about the trust, but not not really that much at that point. Just I knew that there was one, or that you were, or you were getting into it at the time. I think it was quite new at the time, and uh, you'd said that you you you'd found out that we were really struggling financially because we were getting red letters left, right, and centre. Mm. I, I hadn't wor- I wasn't working yet. I was supposed to be, but I, I hadn't. I wasn't able to work because I was sick. And Elaine had, she was just getting her, t- uh, she's a piano teacher and a vocal teacher, a uh, voice teacher. And um, she just was getting that off the ground. But we just had no money. Uh, we were on benefits because we couldn't afford to live. And um, uh, our plans went out the window as soon as I got diagnosed, you know. Uh, so you guys came along and, and, and it's just... just Porches gave or you gave us. You'll you'll have really no idea how much that meant to us at that moment. That you wanted to just help, you know, help us with the strain of of of, of the financial worry and the worry that we had. It was scary at times, you know. And uh, it, but it was where it came from. That's the difference. You guys know. You guys know. And it's the same with Checkham lads. These guys know it's it's not done from a place of trying to look good or you know or, or it's not sympathy it's empathy it's sympathy yeah, that's <laughs> it it's sympathy actually it's empathy you know and and <laughs> I'll never forget it man I mean I'll never forget how good that felt it felt, felt good for us as well you know <laughs> yeah we're pleased it helped Darren that's what the and I I, I just think you you know you and Joe would have got on like a house on fire if you did known each other i'm sure i'm would. fairly I'm sure, sure you would um i'm i know it. i know it. i do think about him i do think about him um a lot you know i I'm, i think about people a lot it's a thing i seem to do i do think about people an awful lot but i do think of joe and i, I comes up in conversations with oh. I, I i really mean that elaine would tell you the same oh. um i really sincerely even though i i never had the the, the blessing of meeting the guy I could just tell from Sam and from you guys, and you know, that you just kind of know the caliber of person that he was. You know, you can just tell. You know, you can just tell. You can see. You can see it in his eyes. You can just see. And I do think about him. It's sincerity that it, that is absolute truth. I do think about him, and you know, I put myself. I put myself into scenarios where maybe me and me and him and Sam might be out having a drink or whatever. Oh, you yeah. know. I really do. Yeah, <laughs> lots of inappropriate sense of humour. <laughs> Are you a spiritual person, Darren? Yeah, I am. Are you Catholic or a, or a Protestant Catholic or? Just... I mean, I was brought. I was brought up in a in a Protestant house, I guess. Uh, we we were, the family's Protestant, I suppose, mm. uh, but. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I've never been practicing. 
are practicing Protestants. Um, my mom and dad have kind of, you know, dabbled. My mom sort of in, in, in recent years has kind of gone back to, you know, going to, kind of going to church the odd time and stuff like that. And she's, but I've been brought up essentially in a house where I believe I believe there's there's more than us. Um, I believe there's a there's an, I believe in energy. I certainly believe in energy. I believe in spirituality. I believe in um, you know I'm certainly open to that. I'm open to I believe in the universe. I I kind of put out things into the universe, and you know I'm grateful for what comes back. And uh, sometimes it's not so nice, but maybe I have to learn something about that thing that's not so nice. And in turn. I've learned something, so I'm grateful for that, you know, but I would be, yeah, I would be, I would be definitely spiritual. I believe in, um, I believe in a, a, a higher power. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I'm not meant to understand it, but I, I, I feel, I feel, yeah, I feel that's, that's how I kind of feel about it anyway, you know. Is there something that you believe to be true that other people might not believe in? I mean, to be more refined in my, in my answer, we talked about this the other night, me and Elaine, about, about putting out, my mom is a very big, uh, she, she'll be thrilled now when she sees that she got, a, she, she got in on this. Uh, <laughs> but she's, uh, my mom would have been, I'm very spiritual, um, but with her feet on the ground about it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, it's um, I, here's what I believe. I believe, in, I, I really take comfort in, in, in knowing that uh, there's something there's something much bigger than me. I, I, I believe very much in the power of the universe. I believe very much that, that I have the power and the strength within me, as we all do, to, to guide us. But I believe that that is, it, that, that, that is also bigger than me as well. Um, and not that I'm I'm smaller and insignificant. Well, I'm insignificant in some respects, you know. But then in other respects, I believe that that I do I do have I do hold the answers like we all do. But I certainly take comfort in knowing that there is there is um, an energy there is energy out there in the world that mm. that that we can. You know that that's that's there for us, and and and, and will you know will guide us and help us if we tune into that. You know, yeah. uh, and it's in things like mindfulness or whatever. You know, insert your meditation of choice here, kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's yeah, it's 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 for me. I take real comfort in knowing that. It really, it really gives me strength and and, and courage, and and a, a real. Um, yeah, real comfort, just real comfort that you know what it, it will it will be it will be okay, whatever it will be it will be okay. Yeah, you know that's what I feel. That's really that's my truth. Isn't it? That's lovely. That's lovely. So is is there the, the the possibility on the you know horizon of you two working together again? Do you think either will that ever happen? Is that likely to happen, or do you think Scott will have a band again? Or I don't know. Remains to be seen. <laughs> you mean me and Sam? Yeah, because you mean you, you did you, tour, you went on tour together? Am I right? Or was, have I got that wrong? I don't know. No, I, I haven't had the privilege, man. Jeez. Uh... Not yet. No, no. You you have been uh, tour manager for. No, you've been to quite a few few gigs, haven't you, Darren? Um, 
but uh, but I think you're, you're going to be doing some tour managing, aren't you, for for Scott? Yeah, um, well, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, sort of, kind of, kind of. I suppose I do that already uh, with them, but um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds there. You know, um, in terms of what we what. Maybe, uh, I would love to. It's funny that you mentioned that, uh, Craig, because. Uh, uh, with Sam, like you know, because he's such an accomplished drummer, you know, I don't know that he would mix with us riffraff down uh. on the <laughs> down on the ground here, you know. Uh, down on the yeah. <laughs> but funny enough, I have been thinking about that a lot lately. So I definitely would love to. I really do. I'd love to. I'd love to um, because I'm 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 waiting to get the the brains of my my uh, studio, the, uh, the, the computer, um, to run everything for me and and. Uh, that's in the next month or two, hopefully. Everything's going well, and uh, I have been thinking about you, Sam. Actually, in that regard, so it'd be nice to, it'd be lovely to collaborate with you or do something. I'd love to. Absolutely, do that. yeah. Oh, man, yeah. What, a, what an honor! Great to have you. Well, now's a better time than any, considering you know everybody's doing the same thing. You know, all these collaborations on online, because God knows when we're going to be able to go and play a show again. You know, um, I think. I think the arts, someone was saying to me the other day that the arts is going to be like the last thing to be allowed back, you know, to be doing normal, normal business, you know, people being allowed in, you know, well, more than 10 people being allowed in the same space. So it's going to be tough. You know, it's really tough, um, you know, for everybody, you know. Um, but yeah, musicians, especially because, you know, a lot of our friends are mutual friends now, you know, musicians and, you know, Everyone's going through the same thing, it's, you know. It's terribly difficult. I think. I think, though, again, with with with. Oh, it's. It, I mean, it's. It's just. It's just terrible. I mean, but I think out of that has been has has come, as you say, collaborations that maybe ordinarily wouldn't ever happen. Yeah. Or, yeah. Loads. Loads. Um, and and there's a creativity. I think that's happening. There's a real creative energy that's happening right now. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I'm 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 finding myself writing as you said my, my as I said my computer died on me there about two years ago which forced me to pick up the guitar and use this thing in here and um, the, you know it pushed me to a place where I, I would have never dreamed of going near. I'm very mm. very confident with backing vocals, harmonising really that's my speciality. But as a main vocalist, you know it's not my you know. <laughs> But um, but I faced that through through being pushed into a corner where I had to react or I had to act or respond. Mm. And that's what I think has happened in this situation. We are yeah. forced to to go outside what we would normally do, and and I find myself writing lyrics really, really interesting lyrics. Waking up at five o'clock in the morning with a lyric in my head, I've got to get this down, and then going back to sleep again. I mean. Mm. I'm finding that I have time I wouldn't ordinarily have to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. And that for me has been very therapeutic, really, really helpful, really mm. helpful because I still suffer with my, my testosterone deficiency. Every day is some form of struggle. Uh, I have much better control over it now and much better awareness. But if you're going through chemo, if you're going through, if you're the after effects of it, if you're just about to go in for surgery, it's, it's, it's something that I find is, is it just just tap into that, tap into what you have and use that, use that to, to help you, use that anger, use that frustration, that fear, the sadness, use it all and take it and make something for yourself. 
and and maybe maybe it won't be so great but maybe you'll get somewhere else out of it maybe you'll get some other idea out of it or maybe the best thing you've ever written but, and are um, you are you eight or nine years in remission now darren Ten the fifth ago? the fifth no no the fifth of july uh coming is eight years eight years Eight what a, a real you know success story a real success story yeah. and some and some really good advice for everybody i remember you, you've talked to me before about just to go back slightly to the the testosterone treatment just to kind of just quickly go over that because did you say to me before that not that you weren't being taken seriously but there was there were issues in finding what the problems yeah. were and then taken seriously is exactly it's, it's spot on right. yeah <laughs> So why why do you think that would why why would that be? Do you think then because it's it's quite a common cancer to have, and this would this be quite a you know um, a, a, a more kind of a common side effect if you like you know if not, you have a Tesco removed. No, not it's more common than maybe we thought. Even in the time that I've had it, because mm. Checkham lads have done huge uh, huge work. In, 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 in getting the, the essentially you see that it's a tricky one you go when you get cancer they want to get it out of you that's what they want to do and they're, they're doing the right thing but what the problem is is we're trying to get them to test these guys like myself I would have gone in you've got testicular cancer right let's set everything in place one of those things is let's check your testosterone level. What is mm. your functioning testosterone level? Because yeah. every single man is different. Everyone. Yeah. Every single man operates differently. There is no one size fits all. So essentially what, that, what, what, the, what they're doing now, and they're doing this in the Queen Elizabeth in Birmingham, which is brilliant. At the time with me, they weren't. But now as a result of working with the Chequem lads and, and uh, you know, uh, they've gotten them to test the testosterone levels before they go in. And, uh, before sure, they go in, yeah. Which is key because uh, that's why it's taken me seven years to, mm. to get my level. And even still, I'm still not quite there yet. Um, but uh, essentially, yeah, it is a battle. You aren't taken terribly seriously. A lot of the doctors are going by old guidelines. Um, mm -hmm even the young ones and they're going by old guidelines, which, which, which is the information is, is out of date. It's not, it's mm. not relevant anymore. It's out of date. And they're just like, Nope, Nope, not testosterone, not going there. It's um, no, you're and a lot of, a lot of the information is, is wrong too. That, you know, that somehow if you're within the scale, which is, I think uh, 17 to if you're within the scale of 17 to, I think it is 35, 35 being the highest level of testosterone, 17 being the lowest level. Mm. Um, if you're within that, or if you're like, yeah, if you're like 17, they won't treat you. But the no, fact yeah. is, 17 for you might be fine, but 17 for mm. me might, might, be, might be totally in order to be destructive. I cannot function. I'm not mm. worrying. You know, lots of issues, lots and lots and lots of issues. And the problem is, is if you're in that, you know, if you're in that, if you're anywhere in that, they, they won't, they won't treat you. And, and the problem is, is that a lot of guys need to be functioning in order to function, need to be at 
generally anywhere between sort of 22 and 32 is kind of the sort of average-ish you know and but essentially a lot of doctors just wouldn't wouldn't treat me um now in a sense i I I didn't get it easier, but I had a, a bit of an inroad where a lot of guys wouldn't. I wasn't I after my chemo, after all that kind of stuff, I couldn't grow a beard, and um, the doctor had asked me, oh, "Your beard's very patchy. You haven't is that always been like that?" Like, no. Does mm. it let's check your testosterone? Well, that was great that he was even doing that because a lot of doctors won't check your testosterone. They just won't. Um, mm. Uh, and, and he, he did check the he did he did check my levels and said that I was a little bit under uh, actually a little bit under I was three. <laughs> That's um, quite a lot. Which wow. explained a, a lot of my symptoms. I couldn't I yeah. didn't sleep I could sleep all day and all night and all day again and I Gosh. was very very aggressive. Um, high testosterone does not equal aggression. Low testosterone equals aggression. Mm. Uh, there's a real misconception there about it. Um, and uh, very aggressive, very agitated, uh, zero sex drive, zero libido, zero spark. I know my personality was just pew. And um, essentially, I, I got put on this, but it was when I was on it. They wouldn't, a lot of the doctors wouldn't listen to my symptoms. And there's mm. a balancing act. There needs to be a balance, and it's fine-tuning. And it's through years of, of fine tuning, uh, um, and then finally, ultimately, I found uh, through the help of the Chequem lads, they they were great at guiding me a little bit better as well. Um, yeah. And then Doctor Douglas Savage uh, in the Ledger Clinic in um, Doncaster was a he's a beautiful man. <laughs> he's one of mm. us. He's a human, uh, not to discard and hate on doctors because I know they have their serious challenges they really do um, and they come up against a lot of walls but uh, Dr. Savage is, is very much a humanistic approach and uh, he, he guided me and got me to where I am today uh, and listened and listened and that's the key thing, listened to what I had to yeah. say listened, you know. So do you, do you think there's more people like him around now compared to like seven years ago? He's a rarity now. I found another doctor in, in, in Ireland um, who I'm at the beginning stages of seeing, but I mean, he's pretty much the only one of his kind in Ireland. Right. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're dealing with. I had to fly to the UK and don't ask to see Dr. Savage. You know, and, yeah. uh, that's not right. You know, that's mm. not right. You know, there's a lot of guys who do suffer with this. Mm. You know, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 not. It doesn't automatically come with guys with testicular cancer. There is evidence to show that if you've had a testicle removed, or if you get testicular cancer, there's a possibility you may have always suffered with 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 low testosterone. Low testosterone, right? Possibly, possibly. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it, it's a lot of guys. They don't need it. Uh, their other mm. testicle takes over the duties essentially. And, mm -hmm. and dub doubles up on the duties, and, and you don't need it, you know. Right. But uh, it's yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's great and it's awful <laughs> at the same time, mm -hmm. you know. But I, yeah. I've got I've gotten it to a point where I mean I I'd, 
using the example, I mean, I had two mild sort of mild heart attacks as a result of taking too much testosterone over an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was I was misdiagnosed. They were giving me way too much testosterone over a two-year period. And uh, it, just, it, just, it just caused my heart to go bananas. And they were very minor heart attacks. They didn't feel minor, but they were minor. Very minor. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. So there you go. This, okay. this, this, it, just, it just goes to show that this, this cancer journey doesn't end when treatment's over, does it? No. Continues and no, continues. No, it doesn't. Emotionally, psychologically, the journey goes uh, on. Physically, mm-hmm. it, it becomes it really becomes a new you know, a new normal, I suppose. Um, you know what? You, you hit the, you hit you, you hit something there for me. And if I can give any advice above everything I've said, the one thing I would say is talk. Seriously, talk. We need to talk. Lads, particularly, are hopeless at talking. It's, 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 you know, seriously, we need to open up and express how you're feeling. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people I've come across in this journey, uh, well, I'm, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, kind of stuff. Talk. We need to. It's so important to get it out there and just get it out and communicate how you're feeling. You may get it wrong, but get it out. Don't keep it in communicate talk it's so important it's so important to, to just communicate how you feel and i think on that point gentlemen we're going to leave it i'm going to say thank you sam thank you darren thank you for sharing such a complex and personal journey with us today darren by knowing darren scott you automatically become a better person he's a wonderful guy um incidentally the music we're listening to uh, in this podcast we began with collide followed by take me home written by darren and elaine performed by darren and elaine too and this final track is fly high uh, by darren thank you very much for listening everybody as always this podcast is brought to you by the joe Gilligan trust see you next time